0: So, reverse grids in world superbikes, that did the trick then. Welcome to Bike Live on Motorsport 101. Let's go! And welcome everybody to episode 3 of Bike Live here on Motorsport 101. As we get closer and closer to the Moto GP season getting underway, our season preview comes next week, but on this show. We will look back on the final pre-season test in Qatar as Maverick Vignala's domination of the winter was complete as he topped four out of four pre-season tests. We'll talk about all the stories coming from that test, including what the hell that was on the front of the Ducati and so much more. But we'll also be here to talk World Superbikes as Jonathan Ray crushed the opposition again, making a complete mockery of the reverse grid rules with another pole and two more victories and how Chaz Davies appeared to have learned his lesson, but maybe he hasn't as he crashed in race two so much to talk about from the two races in in uh, thailand as well as another crackers world supersport race which was (laughs) taken uh or which saw another first time winner in the form of federico Caracasulo, but that doesn't even tell you the half of it what happened in world supersport um inside notes on this week's show as i welcome uh, andre harrison once again welcome dre
1: hello everybody elef- i think there's an elephant in the room here we have to address straight away don't we yeah
0: there's an elephant in the room and there's a co-host not in the room <laughs> um and um yeah so um this is gonna be a bit of an interesting show for you because we're almost we're, obviously this, as you listen to this this is a recorded podcast but yes. there is an element of live to this if we hear from rebecca james during the show um we're gonna straight up call her up um and get on on, and get her on this podcast um so um yeah that's a bit of an interesting tease to see if she turns up will rebecca james appear um over the next two hours we shall wait and see um (laughs) because we desperately want to get her back on the show if you do bex please come back
1: (laughs) we miss you almost you
0: yeah um just 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 see the look on dre's face on twitter when he heard you were coming on (laughs)
1: <laughs> you, had bring, you had to bring this up he was so you?
0: excited yeah welcome to the uh, internet's latest meme Andre Harrison um, uh, just to uh, mark your card for all the different ways you can get in touch with us you can find us on our website motorsport101.net uh, on twitter we're at motorsport underscore 101 if you want to follow us personally on twitter I'm at Lewis Sudbury 23 Dre Harrison 101 HD and Bex it's at Beck underscore J 93 um, <laughs> Other than that, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash motorsport101, where you can find the highlights from the shows. Um, And if you want to back us financially, if you like us that much, you can back us on Patreon by heading to patreon.com forward slash motorsport101, where your your contribution will earn you many, many cool perks, including early access to this and indeed motorsport101, which are both weekly from here on in for the rest of the motorsport season. (laughs) Um, And next week is a huge week for us, Dre, on Motorsport 101 because the MotoGP and Formula 1 seasons are right around the corner.
1: Yeah, it's it's season preview week next week, so inevitably we're going to have about 16 hours worth of podcasts for you. And it's worth one extra note, if you enjoyed my highly excited face, we added a new Patreon goal next month. We get to $100 a month, total um, Patreon backing support. I promised I would do one show a week. Um, So if you liked my highly excited face, you can see more of it if you back us financially.
0: I thought you you were
1: going to put that on a t-shirt. Um, that, that be a <laughs> so that That's that's
0: worth $100 alone. Oh, come um, on now. If, if that happens. Um, but yeah, um, head to patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. It's got a full breakdown of all the different tiers uh, and how you can back the show, or should I say shows, um, Bike Live and Motorsport 101. Um, we're having fun here, but unfortunately we have to start with some very, very sad news in the motorsport world. Uh, since we were last with you here on Bike Live, um, Dre, the motorsport world lost... One of its giants, it lost John Surtees, um, the only man in history to win the Formula One and Grand Prix Motorcycle Racing World Championships. Um, And uh, we're going to talk about him on on Motorsport 101 as well, which um, comes to you later in the week. Um, But as a motorcycle racer, he he was one of the greats, wasn't he? I mean, four-time Grand Prix Motorcycle Racing World Champion, one of the absolute giants of, of Envy Augusta's time. Uh, as a grand prix motorcycle racing team and just a guy that motorsports going to sadly sadly miss
1: absolutely one of the most unique and incredible talents that british motorsport has ever had i mean for again the four grand prix world titles probably most relevant in, in the case of this show but obviously also the 1964 formula one world champion um you know again super talent for Le Mans as well did sports cars brilliantly um, just one of the most versatile and unique talents that we like we're never gonna see a guy like Surtees again like the like, like the, the way our culture and society is now, we're all so specialised in everything that we're never going to see another complete all-rounder on two wheels and four like John Surtees ever again it's a damn shame he missed out on a knighthood because I think he was more than worthy of getting one, I know many people have pulled for that and sadly it never quite happened um maybe posthumously he'll get a knighthood who knows but um in in any case um an an incredible pioneer of motorsport and an icon that um that we're we're not gonna forget and um from all the reports i've ever read from friends of the show and from people that i have been around a truly truly nice man as well and um shout out to friend of the show tom brooks mentioned i spoke to him about this as well and mentioned how what a delightful guy he was to be around and and again he's done tremendous work for charity as well of the Henry Surtees Foundation in honour of his son um as as well. So again, just a a truly great guy, and as, and obviously just a complete motorsport legend in total. So um, rest in peace, John, and um, I hope the legacy of 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 your foundation lives on because um, they've they've done incredible work, and again, a very important work regarding um, head trauma and brain injuries as well in motorsport, which is sadly becoming more and more common. But um, in any case, a a, a total legend. And and I know that word gets thrown around a lot these days in in sporting context, but that's exactly what John Surtees was, is, and always will be.
0: And that's that's one kind of nice thing from it all is through the the Henry Surtees Foundation, his legacy and the legacy, obviously, of his son, who also lost his life um, in motorsport, uh, will continue to live on. and, And we would encourage you all. Uh, if you possibly can, please donate to the Henry 13th Foundation. It does some fantastic work, um, not just in motorsport, but just in, in the wider public sphere. Um, here's, so, here's what I'm going to uh, do, sorry, by
1: the way. Sorry to cut you, but here's what I'm going to do. For every play that Motorsport 101 gets on SoundCloud next week, so that'll be the week of the 23rd, I want to say. What, what, what days is the day? Today's the 15th we recorded this. Let's, so today is... Wednesday, so, the so the 20th. yeah, the week of the twentieth. So the, from the week of the twentieth to the twenty seventh, for every play we get on the podcast, I'll donate five pence to the Henry Surtees Foundation. So that uh, that's my way of giving so- a little something back to um to, uh, to to the Henry Surtees Foundation. Again, we, we I've, I've personally raised money for it before, and it's an incredible foundation, and um and again a very important one because as as a sports fan, like head traumas and brain injuries is something that is still such an untapped world and it it needs research it absolutely needs research because we've we've had some some horrible horrible accidents some very big near misses like Danilo Petrucci last year Mm. which Mm. could have been so much worse than what it was given he was clearly concussed but allowed to continue like we need to we need to keep investigating this so that's what I'm going to do so let let that go on the record from now basically Mm. (laughs) Yeah, and, uh, uh, get, get carry
0: on. yeah, the motorsport world will, will sorely, sorely miss Don um, Surtees, who, uh, as I mentioned, uh, lost his life on the 10th of March at the age of 83. Um, unfortunately, he wasn't the only um, star of motorsport or motorcycle racing to lose his life um, since we were last with you. We also lost um, one of the titans of uh, endurance motorcycle racing, Anthony Dalal, um, who um, was one of the stars of the... Um, dominant suzuki team suzuki endurance racing team which has dominated endurance motorcycle racing for a number of years now dalal was testing for that very team um, in france this week uh, or last week at the Nogaro circuit um, where he unfortunately suffered an accident and succumbed to his injuries um as i mentioned dalal was a as a star of the endurance world championship team winning five titles um with the suzuki team uh including last year um, and as I say, one of the absolute stalwarts of endurance racing um, in motorcycle racing, which has such a following. It's such a great uh, discipline to watch. Obviously, we're such big fans here on, on Mustwell 101 Bike Live of, of the Suzuka 8 Hour. But the, the mm-hmm. championship as a whole, it's, it's such a great championship to watch. Um, endurance racing on motorcycles um, is actually very, very good fun to watch. And Dalal was one of yes. the absolute heroes of that. Um, and unfortunately, he lost his life too this week at the age of 35 so our thoughts go to him and to his family and loved ones uh, right let's talk motorcycle racing then if we uh if we could try and move on obviously it's a very very sad week for motorcycle racing but let's try and uh entertain you and put some smiles on some faces by talking world Superbikes. Uh, dre and no one will have a bigger smile on their face this week than jonathan ray who uh yeah, he 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 told us, didn't he, over the winter how good a winter he had, uh, mm. how how well prepared he was for this season. Uh, we're kind of getting the uh, the confirmation of that, aren't we? Now, <laughs> not only was he uh, so good in Phillip Island, pulling out two clutch victories, but he absolutely crushed them in Thailand.
1: Beat them down. Um, yeah, there's there's no other way of describing it really. That was that was Jonathan Ray It is, is, is his apocalyptic best. And again, when. When he, when everything clicks for Jonathan Ray, he's unbeatable. Like there is no more unbeatable force, I think, in the entirety of two wheeled motorsport racing. Um, he, he was dominant, and you, you could tell from practice that this was going to be a good weekend for him. The race simulations he was running. In practice, and the consistency that he was putting out. Like, the man was a full metronome out there. It was ridiculous. Laps after laps, and like within attempt of each other. And then he was getting faster towards the end of his stint. Like he, he broke the practice lap record in free practice one. Um, and he was, again, when it came to the races, he was the only man consistently in the 33s. And there was no answer for him. Absolutely nothing anybody could do about him. Like. Everybody else had to override their bikes to keep up. And we saw what happened with Marco Melandri, where he was trying so hard to keep up. He made mistakes and he fell back down the order as a result. She should have just known straight away that Jonathan was not going to be beaten today. And like the Kawasaki is, is is an excellent race bike. It's very good around Thailand. It has been. And just just the fact that, you know, Jonathan is clued in with this bike and, like he's he's curb stomping Tom Sykes right now as well in terms of on track pace as as well which says a lot it's not just the bike Jonathan is just getting the maximum out of this thing every weekend now and it's a terrifying thought that he's this quick on a time where last year it was two very competitive races this year nobody had an answer for him
0: no no and um, he, he do one had an answer for him as you say at any stage of the weekend as you mentioned he was quickest in every session uh, mm-hmm. the weekend, on every session that he competed in, because obviously he wasn't in Super Bowl 1. Um, Super Bowl 2 is an interesting one, of course, because um, that's twice now where we've um, in- encouraged our listeners to bet the mortgage on Tom Sykes, and um, we've let them down again. Um, Sorry. <laughs> mitigative circumstances this time, though. In um, the bizarre scenario for a world championship in motorsport to uh, have some of its tyres damaged in transit, um, the qualifying tyres, which were damaged in transit on their way to Bularam, um, so the replacements were, were flowing in. They got stuck at customs, uh, so <laughs> so um, basically they had to withdraw the qualifying tyre from the allocation, which meant that Tom Sykes's uh, the chief weapon in his arsenal for the weekend was taken out of play. Yes, you, you're not mad about that at all, are you, Simon? Not even slightly. No. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so uh, he still managed to qualify second to his credit, uh, to yep, Tom Sykes. Yep. But um, but Jonathan Ray. Um, by the fact that they were qualifying on, effectively, soft race tyres, um, which uh, Jonathan Ray was phenomenally quick on, um, <laughs> exactly. saw him take pole position um, ahead of his teammates. So a second Kawasaki won 2 In fact, the top three on the grid, the front row, was identical to Phillip Island, uh, with Marco Malandri yep. in third place. Chaz Davies qualifying on the second row again. Um, and uh, my uh, sort of tongue-in-cheek prediction on the season preview that Chas Davies may not start on a front row all year is starting to look even more true than I realised Um, because that's two rounds down. He still hasn't started on a front row of the grid all year. He's only been on the second and the third row uh, in the first four rounds, first four races uh, of the season. Um, Into race one then, and uh, Jonathan Ray pretty much did what we all feared he would, because in Phillip Island, he knew that he couldn't get away. No one could get away, so there was no point trying to go out and do a time attack at the front. Um, So Jonathan Ray didn't even try to do that. He basically admitted to himself that he was going to be in a pack race and, and raced accordingly. Um, but there was none of that in Thailand, was there? It was basically go from the gun and see if anybody can keep up.
1: Yeah. He got, he got a fantastic start had the confidence to sweep around the outside and t- take the whole shot. And then just didn't look back. It was, it, it, it was a matter of, it, it was like watching Jorge Lorenzo go to work where it, it's on a track where, you know, Lorenzo is comfortable. Like the Mans for example, because he tends to dominate around there an awful lot. Like, he basically just said, "I'm going to go as fast as I possibly can here. Let's see if you can keep up." And nobody had an answer for him. No one. Yeah, you like, just Malandry
0: saw that gap gra- gradually just grow and grow and grow, didn't you? As the guys, as, as each guys sort of, as they wilted under the pressure that Ray was putting on them
1: yeah exactly and Ray had the pace he went out Melandry tried to keep up and then all of a sudden he lost a lap he lost the second of the lap when he went too wide around the corner and then that deal the race was done uh, it, Like it was over right there and then and yeah Jonathan would go on to win by a handful of seconds and again made it look very very easy um, just just brilliant stuff from Jonathan again just his, his pace his race pace was just out of this world compared to everybody else and the fact, again, only man in the 33s, broke the lap record in the process. Um, just just ridiculous stuff from Jonathan Ray. No man had an answer for him. And again, like I said, everybody else had to override to try and keep up. And when you're overriding, you're going to make mistakes. And that's what Melandri did on two separate occasions this weekend. <laughs>
0: yeah, just looking at the race one result from, from the weekend. And Jonathan Ray won that opening race by uh, 6.2 seconds. Um, from Chaz Davies, that's a Chaz Davies level of dominance that we saw yes. in that first race from Jonathan Ray, and that's six point two seconds in a twenty lap race. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, uh, he was just that dominant uh, over the course of race one. Um, race two was slightly different in that it was it was red flagged early on. We'll, we'll cover these sort of stories um, in a bit, um, but first we saw Chaz Davies trying to go after melandry who if I didn't have sights his last corner pass on him, which we'll come back to later on. Um, that put Malandri on race to pole ahead of the two Yamahas. So Chaz right. Davies tried to go with his teammate. Oh, Jonathan Ray, likewise, having gone from ninth to fourth in one corner. Uh, God's sake! Off the start line. Um, yeah, that comes back to what I said at the top of the show about these reverse grid rules really making a difference uh, in World Superbikes this year. Um, but uh, but yeah, so so Ray and Chaz get to the front. They're there with Malandri. Uh, John Tom Sykes, actually, to his credit, he also... Uh, managed to make his way through the pack a little better this time uh, than he had mm-hmm. in Philip Island. So they're up with Melandry. Chaz actually passes Jonathan Ray for second, but as he's trying to sort of make a move on Melandry, knowing that he's probably going to have to try and get out front and try and gap them while Jonathan Ray is stuck in traffic, Chaz goes down, um, dropping to the back of the field, but he's bailed out by a red flag for Lorenzo Savadori's Aprilia, which had spilled oil all over its own rear tire and catapulted him into the air at the final oh, corner. Can't debris and oil everywhere, red flag comes out, Chaz Davies gets another go, but obviously from the back of the grid this time. Um, And in that 16-lap restart, um, Jonathan Ray, not quite as dominant, but he still had a comfortable margin, Dre
1: at no point was he that I ever think Jonathan's not going to win this race like that, that it was still very straightforward. Um, not quite as dominant second time around. Melandri did put up a better fight of it second time around. Um, but I don't know how much of that was Jonathan just taking it easy. I, I don't, I don't think, at no point did I see Jonathan think I've got to ride on a hundred percent here because he just didn't have to He because the thing is the key for that one for me was that Ray absolutely nailed the start and it, it was probably the best start of his life seeing that come from ninth and then the fact he was third by, by the turn three hairpin. Obviously, Chas going back to looking back down to fourth again. Second in he... lap
0: one. Like that double pass at the end of the final lap on Lowe's and, and Chas. <laughs> is... <laughs> it's
1: like, how is he capable of doing that? Like like look... standing still. Yeah, like 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 the Kawasaki just had this knack of having this incredible slingshot off the penultimate corner and being able to pass people at will into the final bend, as, we, as we'll get to with Tom Sykes in a minute. But again, just if if you're passing Alex Lowe's and Chaz Davis, two of the finest riders in the class, sorry, Max, I'll give you that in the compliment. Um, but it's it's one of those things where, like. They're two top tier riders, and you can just pass them at ease like that. Jonathan's making this field look silly at the moment. It's, yeah. it's not a good look for everybody right now. Like, guys, come on, everybody, beat this man, please, yeah. for our own, for yeah. our own good. Yeah. Do try and
0: keep up. Um, but but unfortunately they couldn't. And um, where are we at here, Dre? Not just with Jonathan Ray, but with this championship for this season. I mean, Chas Davies has well until race two happened, he was doing the job that we all hoped he would of. Even if he's finishing a mile back, let's just finish second. Just keep the dam- keep the damage down. Just keep keep the points to a the points gap to a minimum. Uh, race two kind of blew that apart a little bit, although he still got sixth. Um, but Jonathan Rea has dominated each of the last two championship seasons, but in neither of those did he win the first four races. This is his best ever start.
1: That's, that's a terrifying thought that, yeah, Jonathan has dominated, but he was never the best starter, uh, especially given that Aragon is coming up next, and that's been yeah, Chaz right. Davis. Two years around. ago,
0: Haslam beat him in Phillip Island Race 2 in that photo finish, and last year, Sight yeah. stopped his winning streak at three in Thailand Race 2.
1: Yeah, exactly, and this year he's won four for four and with relative ease, um, and, and that's that's going to be the part of the problem. It's like, it's like, it's like Jonathan's like he's even patching up some of the very few holes in his game like the qualifying issues where he's had two poor positions so far to start the season and the pack racing situation, he's, he's, he's blown people apart on, on the opening laps of race two to the point where the handicap is almost non-existent, um, where he's starting from maybe eight or nine. Well, it's been ninth every time so far, because he's won both race one so far this season, but both times he's been in the top five within the first lap. So it doesn't, almost like it doesn't matter. Um, so when you combine all of that and then Chaz Davis's mistake, I mean, why this, why did Chaz try so hard to pass his own teammate that early on? I do not understand. Mm. why he's going into that hairpin so hot to try and stop Malandri. One, who is his teammate, and two, it was lap four, I think, or lap three, I think, when it happened.
0: Because you could see like, that, that crash. You could see it happening for about 100 metres back, couldn't you?
1: Yeah, it's like you knew Chaz had gone in too hot. You could tell he'd gone in too I know that was his line for the weekend, but you could see he was going so, and he was wrestling with the bike to try and keep it upright, and he loses the back, and I'm like, oh, yeah, there we go again, Chaz. Oh, for goodness sake. Why are you trying so hard here? Yeah. Like, it's... Take the points, my my man. Take the points. Like, no one's going to kill you for finishing third here. I mean, so far, Chaz has done a, a very good job of taking said points. I mean, he had three second places going in to race two in Thailand, and now he's he's lost out 15 points to Jonathan Ray, and he's now, what, I think 30 points up the top of the championship yeah, now. Yeah. So,
0: especially, with, especially with Aragon next, where he flattened them last year. Um, exactly. Chaz Davis winning both races, and, and let, let's pick up on that, because... Like we said in Phillip Island, or after Phillip Island, that Chaz Davies looks to have learned his lesson. He looks to have, you know, noted that last year he lost that championship with those kind of moments, like we saw in Phillip Island, where he went down trying to win a race that probably wasn't there to win, um, right? And gave away. Well, he went from second to tenth in that in that second race in Phillip Island last year, and cost himself fifteen, fourteen points. And let's be fair here, Dre if Sir Salvadori's bike hadn't have blown up and brought out a red flag, he probably wouldn't have scored anything at all in race two either.
1: Yeah, because the gaps between the, him and the points. bailed out big time. Yeah, him and the points. He was way, way off the points uh, in yeah. terms of just track position by the time that, um by the time Salvadori's red flag came out. That was like, Chaz admitted it himself, he got very lucky that that red flag was there. Otherwise, he probably would have scored only minor points at best. And that's the six. thing. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. Chaz's race pace in race two wasn't particularly special. I mean, he struggled to get past Leon Cameo for a good chunk of that race, and he did not have an answer for Jordi Torres on the BMW. What, so,
0: did, what did you call it during the race? The Great Wall of Cameo.
1: The Great Wall of Cameo. You shall not be moved. <laughs> <laughs> like, and it, it was only really like Cameo having mechanical gremlins before his engine went completely pop, before Chaz Davis could comfortably cleared him, and again, he could not find the way around Spanish Elvis. So Chaz didn't look particularly strong in race two either, which is a, a concern given that that's your main title threat. Remember what I said about three weeks ago when I said that Malandri would be more of a hassle than people thought? Mmm. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. <laughs> yeah, the
0: Melandri's 2-0 and oh now in qualifying or in Super Bowl against Chaz Davies, and he, and he obviously beat him for the first time um, with that result in race two. Of course, Chaz beating Malandri to second in race one or so we thought, we looked like we were going to have a double Ducati podium with Malandri finishing third. But um, Malandri looked like he completely goosed his tyres trying to keep up with Jonathan Ray in in that Mm. first race. and He he fell back quite dramatically towards the end to the point that Tom Sykes reeled him in a corner from home um, to snatch the final podium position. But at least the Guy Dre of Marco Malandri's class wouldn't be caught out by the same move twice, right?
1: Of course not. Like, that, would, that would never happen to a guy's experience as much. Oh, there it is. Uh, <laughs> it's almost like, oh no, like Marco must be suffering from deja vu at this rate. And um, you could see like Marco punching his, his fuel tank in frustration as he comes over the line, knowing he's basically given up the ghost on two separate occasions. So I'd like, have thought Marco.
0: That's what worried me about Marco. Yeah, it's, like,
1: yeah, it's like, like, Marco, why didn't you throw the block? I mean, just veer to the right on that one and block the apex and you're probably going to finish in third anyway because you can't pass around the outside of that final corner, it's impossible so Marco was I think just caught hot-dogging more than anything else and next thing you know Tom Sykes is beating beating him over the line for the second time in three races and that's Oh dear! It's not a good look for Marco. It's a shame because he had a, he had a pretty darn good weekend, finishing fourth and third in both races. Um, had a but was had a good weekend. He needed it after the race one incident in Phillip Island, but um, he, he's going to be as a racer, he'll be gutted that he gave up the same move twice to, to a, a fellow title rival in Tom Sykes and. Yeah, just uh, disappointing. It was the most disappointing third place finish I think I've ever seen from a rider where he's, he's punching his fuel tank as he, as he comes on the podium. Uh, says a lot, really, doesn't it? <laughs> mm,
0: yeah, two rounds, though, for, for Marco Malandri and, and two podiums for him. And, um, you know, had he not been involved in that collision with Alex Lowe's in, in race one in, in Philip Island, he might have had three out of the first four. So, one thing's for sure, Ducati are pretty much getting what they hope for out of Marco Malandri, aren't they? They've got two strong riders now rather than one strong rider and one sort of wild card on the other bike
1: yeah like there's consistency there with marco now and again he probably would have been in the top four again if it weren't for that alex lowe's collision which was unfortunate and unlucky but again he's been in the top four every race since he can't really ask for much more than that kawasaki is still probably the best pike in the field on paper so third is about the pass score for Melandry. so if you can if you, if you can finish in fourth and finishing the top four every round, then great, you've got a double-pronged attack for the title. Um, as long as you keep the mistakes down and limit the mistakes, you'll be fine. So, yeah, like Davide Giuliano, as we talked about last year, was inconsistent. He had moments where he, could, he, he was challenging for wins and had a great pace, and you know had the upside shown but a lot he couldn't one win a race and two like next day he would be down in eight four ninth way below where the bike should be mm. so if Melandry is 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 a better baseline of what the bike can do then they'll only benefit in the long run by having a guy like him there within the team mm.
0: yeah uh, tom sykes this weekend then it was sykes that put the two moves on Melandry to uh, snatch third in race one second in race two um <laughs> And let's first talk about another curious sort of end to race one for Tom Sykes, because we talked about this after Phillip Island, and we both noticed this on Twitter. At the end of race one, um, the thought process for Sykes, he uh, effectively blew race two pole at the final corner of race one. Right. Um, which, which which, is an interesting one. Um, as it sort of, as it turned out, it probably wouldn't have made a difference, because he was second anyway in race right. two to Jonathan Ray. And part of me wondered afterwards, thinking would it have even been worse for Tom Sykes had he gone on race two pole with Ray in ninth and still been beaten by him? Um, would that have been even worse for him? But what did you think of that at the time where Tom Sykes is sat in an easy fourth at the end of race one, yet he takes the extra three points in a bottle of champagne when he had race two pole in his pocket?
1: Yeah, I'm not... Uh, yeah, I like. I, I, we mentioned this in the preview that, you know, it will, for a guy like Sykes who is running out of tools quickly to beat Jonathan Ray maybe the last roll of the dice would be to take a fourth place and start race two from pole and hope Jonathan has trouble trying to pass people. Um, again, I also said that Tom Sykes is a proper racer and he would never do something like that. And I proved out to be right on both cases. Um, yeah, I, I, I think Tom pro- probably made a mistake on that one. I think he would probably have been slightly better off if he had instead um, just waited out and take the fourth place yeah, okay, you lose three points by doing so, but at the same time, you probably get those back by starting race two from pole position where you can <laughs> you can dictate the pace of the race, you can you can control it, you can go from there, and you probably don't have to worry about your teammate so much because he's starting the race from ninth. Again, don't think it would have made a massive difference. But in any case, I think Sykes probably made a bad call by going for the podium because, you know, I think Sykes has got to think of the long game here and he's he's hemorrhaging points here at a very rapid pace. And, yeah, like like that that might have been, in hindsight, a bad move for the overall championship. Hmm.
0: Yeah, because like I said, I looked at it at the time and I thought, big mistakes. So I was thinking, your only chance of beating Jonathan Ray, you're not going to beat Jonathan Ray from the third row, but if you're on pole and he's ninth... You might, you might just be a couple of seconds up the road by the time he gets through the traffic. Mm. Um, now, like I say, as it happened on this day in history, it wouldn't have mattered because A, Jonathan Ray was up to second by the end of the first lap anyway, and we got the red flag, which reset the grid. Um, yep. So, in fact, we put Jonathan Ray back on pole again um, because he was leading <laughs> when the red flag came out, so it probably wouldn't have made a difference to him in, in, in this weekend, but I was just surprised at the time that Sykes, he's clearly just thinking of podiums, he's thinking of, you know, getting everything you can out of every race, rather than thinking of race two, which, which like I say, I was sat there thinking, just take take race two pole. You, you're going to be on race two pole with two Yamahas next to you that clearly aren't a threat. As good as they've been, they're not going to beat you um, in race two. Uh, and they might just play a spoiler for you in that second race. But, but looking at his, his weekend in a whole and his season so far, he's third in the points, it, it, is Tom Sykes. And he's already got quite a, a gap to make up um, to his teammate Jonathan Ray, which of course is Kind of similar story to the first two years, um, but it's I mean he, he trails by thirty-eight points. Sykes is on sixty-two points to Jonathan Ray's perfect hundred. But that's the thing, Jonathan Ray's perfect, and it's yes. I'm finding it hard to be too critical of Tom Sykes
1: here, given that his teammate is on such a high level. Well, what can you say? I yeah, mean what could he do? Uh, what can you like? If 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 the guy in front of you was one all four races of minimum, you're going to be twenty points back, and Sykes. If you take Jonathan Ray out of the equation here, has done a pretty solid job so far. He's he's, he's, he's gotten a couple of results over Chaz Davis and he's, he's finished on the podium twice in, in a season so far. And, you know, he's doing a good job for the team. And again, it's just a situation where if Jonathan is that good, Anything less than perfect is gonna get shown up to be like two or three times worse than it is on paper because Jonathan has literally not put a foot wrong so far this season. And yeah, I mean again Sykes is is this gonna be a new role for Slikes as being like the backup guy now, like like the clean up man, like Danny Pedrosa is maybe? I don't know, but I don't think you, I don't think Sykes would ever want to admit that in public that, that Jonathan is just is just kicking his butt in right now, but it's that might be the in, impromptu, inadvertent new role for Tom Sykes the cleanup man because at the moment Jonathan Ray is looking, he's outclassing him. There's no other way of describing it, and that's a shame. But everybody's being outclassed by him right now. So, like, in the terms of the in the context of the, of the battle for second, maybe. Sykes has done a pretty fine job so far and he's, he's made the best of what's been given to him which is a shame because it's not all gone his way at all this season given like the Philip Island and given the qualifying tyre mix-up in, in Thailand, which um, apparently they're still over there getting checked over by customs um, but, uh, as we speak but um, t- yeah in any case it's a shame but uh, Tom's made a He's been dealt a pretty bad hand given the rules, given the changes, and he's still competitive, which says a lot about Sykes as a a class of rider. It's just a shame that Jonathan is having a historically good season so far. To put it into perspective, Jonathan Ray has finished on the podium 90% of the time since joining (laughs) Kawasaki. 90%. And the man averages 20 points a race for Kawasaki right now. That's second place. It's practically it's practically unstoppable. Yeah, mathematically, it's almost impossible to beat that if, if one guy's averaging 20 points a race. It's just... Uh, yeah, it okay. kind of t-
0: talk tells us the level we're at where we're, lo- we're almost looking at a third and a second as a bad weekend, um, which is what Tom Sykes came out of Thailand with. Um, third and second was good, but not quite good enough. Um, if he wants to win this championship this season, it's already starting to look like an uphill climb for both he and Chaz Davies. Um Yamaha they're not a championship threat this year but in terms of the pecking order in World Superbikes they're solidly the third best at the moment aren't they Dre?
1: Yeah I mean I've talked about this in my post on motorsport101.net regarding this that Yamaha are clearly the third best team in the field now and like they have again nothing against Ginters but they have two solid riders again here and um they've their bikes, like, it's a shame that Vandermark missed out in race two because of that oil. I think it was an oil spill of some kind that they couldn't let him take the restart after the red flag came out. But in any case, Yamaha's been competitive, and they've been more competitive than they were this time last year. This time last year, they were 20 seconds off the win. They've halved the distance in that over over the course of a 20-lap race in the space of a calendar year, and as we, we saw. Him Philip Island, instead of being in 6th to 8th place, they were up there challenging for the win, Um, in the case of Lowe's at least anyway, so Yamaha has definitely made great progress this year and are now become the established third-best team, and they'll probably squeeze a couple of podiums out here and there over the course of the season, I reckon, so They've got a good team. Lowe's is, is is having a very, very good season so far. He's up there in that mix for second right now, which is as good as you can really ask for right now. Um, so yeah, like the Yamaha have have nothing really gone very far wrong so far at all. I mean, again, reliability could be a little bit of work there with Vandermark and the in, in the in his engine issues there, but. They got a good package there and they've definitely made I'd argue the most the most progress of any bike in the field this year. So that's when Yamaha need to be making gains and luckily they are.
0: Mm, they are. And um, yeah, I, I think yeah, I think they've done a tremendous job. And I think their their bike's at a spot now where, as you say, they were ten seconds off the win, and that's ten seconds off Jonathan Ray, who was uh, yes. quite a class above the rest of them. So take him out of the bay, they were sort of three, four seconds off Charles Davies and Tom Sykes. Um, which which is terrific for them. And, I think they're at the point now where they might just pinch a win somewhere if one of their riders has an inspired day. <coughs> Vandermark, Assen. Um, yeah, yes. <laughs> like, I, I think they're just about good enough when we get to there that Vandermark might just be in the argument somewhere um, in, in those races. Because that's another of those races where, to quote Tom Sykes, we'll have a love train at the front of the race. Um, oh, yeah. We're not going to have a, a sort of Jonathan Ray runaway and hide job. Uh, at Assen, so I can't wait till we get to there because I think Van der could be right in the shake-up there. I'd probably say the same for Alex Lowes at Donington as well, but then Tom Sykes exists, so that probably won't happen. Yeah. Um But they, I think they're at a point now where if one of their riders has a special race, they might just nick a result. And and they've they've twice now had front rows, haven't they, in race two? And, and yes, Philip Island came close, like Alex Lowes came close to translating that into a win or into a podium, couldn't quite do it. Um, Thailand of course was a very very different story because we had the red flag which reset the grid um, and undid all that um, but as far as Alex Lowe's is concerned Dre, um, this is the part of the show of course where we really wish Bex were here um, mm-hmm. but uh, Vandermark beat him for the first time in Thailand race 1 but if we look at Lowe's season so far um, he's gone 4th, 4th, 6th 4th which as, as, thing, as starts go, you can't really ask much more for him than that
1: yeah, on the third best bike in the field, that's a very good that's a very good run of form so far. And again, again, it's like, like Sykes, you can't really ask for much more than that in the context of the bike and where you are in the field right now. So yeah, Lowe's has had a very very good start to the season. You know, three top six, four top six finishes, and three out of the four races so far in the top four. It's a lot like Van this time last year when he was on the honda where the best of the rest guy was Vandermark on the honda and right mm. now Lowe's is the best of the rest of the guys that are on the kawasaki and the jacques and the right now like right now Lowe's is is up there fighting with the best of them right now so if he keeps racking up the points he could surprise a few people at this rate and i think like you said with the race two rules with with the situations where yamaha are getting those front row starts in race two one of these days, like Lowe's, is going to have a day where he can win because his pace is that good. So I think it will happen. It's, it could happen at some point in this year for sure. Maybe somewhere like Assen. Maybe somewhere like Haref. Like that could definitely come into play. Um, so yeah, like there's, there's a lot. There's a lot to be happy about at that Yamaha camp, if you ask me. Yeah, because as, yeah, good
0: yeah. As, as good as that first lap was for Jonathan Ray and as phenomenal as that was to get through the pack of that first lap, but I, I, I struggle to think that that's going to happen everywhere. Surely, mm-hmm. surely somewhere it's going to be a little trickier for Jonathan Ray to pick his way through. Surely all it'll take is one of these race twos is for Jonathan Ray to have a bad start. Um which he ironically had in race one in Phillip Island where he dropped back through the field uh, on the first lap. All it takes is for that to happen on a, a race two for Jonathan Ray, and he ends up sort of twelfth or thirteenth on lap one. And that's about it. He's not going to get back through from there. Um right. so I think I think if Yamaha keep putting themselves in that position, keep putting themselves in position to have that front row for race two, I think it's going to pay off eventually. It's going to get them a result somewhere uh, if they keep taking their chances. And they're clearly putting themselves in that position on a regular basis now with the third best bike. Um, Mm -hmm. Difficult to really argue who the fourth best bike is, but Jordi Torres made a decent argument for this weekend that it might well be the BM.
1: Yeah, like BMW just have this knack right now where, okay, they're not factory supporting their bikes, which which is a real shame, but because they have a very good team there. Marcus Reiterberger and Jordi Torres are doing the lords work on that BMW. Some of
0: its parts that team.
1: A- absolutely. And given what they've got around them, Torres and Reiterberger are talented dudes. That's for sure. And Torres again, he just has this knack of putting out some really great results every now and again. And that fifth place in race 2 was a superb result for BMW. Ooh. Holding off the-, the Chaz Davis on a factory Ducati bike for Pretty much the entire second half of the race. Superb job from Torres. And yeah, BMW, they might be the fourth best bike in the field right now with the Altea team, when, which given, again, that's a satellite team with no factory support from BMW themselves. That's an absolutely outstanding job from from Torres and Reiterberger and definitely one to keep an eye on.
0: Yeah, really well, on. And, and Reiterberger, I didn't realize how young he was. He's only 23, Um, is Reiterberger, which in, in World Superbike, he's yeah, very really young. Um, yeah, just a week ago, and when you look at the likes of Ray and Sykes and Davies, who were pushing thirty, um, he's he's in that sort of. I kind of feel bad for not mentioning him in that sort of Vandermark Lowe's bracket because he's he's yeah. the, he's that sort of age, and he's on a arguably inferior bike to them.
1: Yeah, he's on a far worse bike in terms of pure performance than anything Lowe's had last the last couple of years. You know, so yeah, like he didn't realise Reiterberger is. You know, still only turned twenty-three last week. It's not quite as
0: consistent, but on his day, he's just as quick.
1: Yeah, on his day, he's absolutely a top, a top-eight-level guy. Absolutely, no question. So, yeah, they've got, they've got. A lot to look forward to in that BMW camera. It's kinda of just begs me, but BMW, why can't he factory support these bikes? I don't think it would be that expensive and you know, I'll take it as a good unit and you you've got two talented and a very marketable Jordi Torres on your team, one of the few people that well, the few guys that people actually care about him while superbikes, given how funny he is. Okay. Like you you've 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 got talent there. You've got something in that unit there. So why not invest in that? You've you've got something. You know, absolutely. So it's a shame, but um, it, all he it can do is just keep producing these great results and who knows what could happen one day.
0: Yeah, Altea have won championships in this thing. They took Carlos Checa to a world title in, yeah. in World Superbikes. They they know what they're doing. Um, Absolutely. They're a good and, and given that they are squeezing every last drop out of that BMW at the moment and doing a terrific job with it and continuing to show us up for our preseason prediction that they may fall back. Because um, that's, yeah. two, that's two, Wrong. Uh, two rounds out of two now where they've got both riders straight into Super Bowl 2. Um, and had, which not many teams could say they've done that, Um, and not only done that, because Yamaha have done that, van der had to go through P1 in in Phillip Island, and yeah, they're doing a terrific job. Honda are getting there, I suppose. Nicky Hayden taking their best results so far with a new Fireblade 7th place um, in Race 1, which doesn't sound particularly great, Dre, but it's baby steps for this team, isn't it?
1: In the context of, of of Honda's struggles and the Tenkarte's struggles this this season, that was a superb weekend for Nicky Hayden. That like, genuine progress made there. I mean, I know Hayden was running roughly in that sort of ballpark before the race one crash in Australia, but Honda are mixing it up with where they need to be. That zone of BMW, Yamaha you know like leon camis mv that's the kind of area they need to be getting to and that you, you got to start from there because that's kind of where they were last year so yeah for hayden to finish to get two top 10 finishes on that honda which again is still in a, in, a, in a developmental period they still are you know not where they want or need to be right now they'll take it i think that's a very there was, there was a lot of patted backs in that Honda garage after, after that result, so yeah, they've, they've, they've clearly made some progress they're, they're only going to get better as time goes on, so Hayden's given them a nice little shot in the arm, with that That was a very, very solid result. Mm, Stefan yeah. on this Stefan on the other hand uh, mm,
0: Yeah, Bradle <laughs> who's, um, yeah, we can't even talk, talk about him as being the best German, can we? I, we now we just praise Reiterberger, but yeah, Bradl no. so Bradle's having a tough time of it, unfortunately um, mm. a World Superbikes at the moment I um, <laughs> don't think it's quite the uh, the project he thought he'd signed up for um, when he joined Honda. Oh. Um, but he's he probably going to have to be a bit patient with that one. Um, we, we can't move on from World Superbikes without talking about the Great Wall of Cameo. Um, yes. And, and and yet again, I mean, um, his haircut doesn't particularly impress many um, with that sort of <laughs> headband that he has in. He's as, uh, as, what as, is that? As James Whittam, I think it was, who said at the weekend, he's looking more and more Italian by the weekend um, within that Italian MV Augusta team. Um, but while that's not particularly impressive, his riding continues to impress us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And again, like, I know Shaky was a little bit down on him on the punditry, saying there's no baseline for it. But let's just take it for what it is. We all know MV is a very small factory. We all know that they, they only have the budget for one bike, and they're not going to be able to keep up with Yamahas, Kawasaki, Chikadi, et etc. So for Kamiya again to be mixing it up in, in the top 10 on yeah, that and MV. And he lost Friday again. Yeah, no, practically no running on Friday either. Um, and again, he's just got out of there, ridden the nuts off it and got in the top 10. I mean, he's doing an excellent job. It's just a shame the engine blew up in race two, because again, he was he was running in seventh place on, on, in that race as well. And again, it just popped out on him, which is a shame because. He's carrying an entire factory on his back right now, and he's doing an excellent, excellent job. And it's just a shame that MV has let him down more than he's let them down because, again, he's, he's, doing, a, he's doing an absolutely excellent job.
0: <laughs> Fantastic job for Leon Came. And, uh, yeah, what he suffered was, in fact, the second factory MV Augusta's go pop that day. Uh, we'll tell you what the other one was in just a moment. Um, but here's how race one ended up then. Um, from the weekend. Jonathan Ray, the winner by a mile from Chaz Davies and Tom Sykes, who rounded out the podium. Identical race one result to Phillip Island, incidentally. Uh, Malandri in fourth, the head of Vandermark and Lowe's, the Yamaha's fifth and sixth, Torres seventh, Camier eighth, And then the Hondas of Hayden and Bradle ninth and tenth. Um, so Bradle did at least get a top ten out of his weekend. Uh, race two finished like this. Ray, the winner, leading a Kawasaki one, two from Sykes, with Malandri third, overtaken at the last corner again. Alex Lowe's in fourth, ahead of the Spanish Elvis fifth, Chaz Davies sixth. Nikki Hayden in seventh. Chavy Forres, who's uh, brilliant start, kind of petered out, didn't it? Where was he in Thailand? He finished eighth uh, with Roman Ramos ninth and Reiterberger tenth. Um, first points, incidentally, of the season for Ricardo Russo, Andre Yesek, and Ed- Ayrton Badavini in race two. Um, you'll notice we haven't mentioned Aprilia. The less said, the better. Laverty mm. broke down on the final lap of race one and then crashed in race two to finish 15th. They are bottom of the Manufacturers' Championship, which we'll get to in just a second. First, though, the Riders' Championship. Jonathan Ray leads it with a perfect 100. 30 clear of Chaz Davies in second. Tom Sykes is in eight points, further back in third. Then comes Lowe's in fourth. Uh, he has 49 points, which I think is around half of what he finished last season with. Um, Marco Malandri is fifth on 45. Then comes Forés. He's still sixth. Torres is seventh. Van der Marcus dropped to eighth after an oil leak, which prevented him from taking the restart in race two. Camya is ninth. And Nicky Hayden is into the top 10 in 10th with 21 points. The manufacturer's championship, as I mentioned, uh, Kawasaki, 100 points, their top. Ducati are second on 76. Uh, see of Malandry scoring their points in race two. Yamaha have 50 in third. Then come BM in fourth. They've jumped above MVA Uh Honda are up to six. They're off the bottom because Aprilia have dropped to seventh uh, with their 2013 chassis um, for Eugene Laverty. Um, Help! How yes. is that a thing? Yeah, they, uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we should mention that actually. The fact that Eugene Laverty, since he's last ridden a Prudier, yeah, it's clearly changed a bit. So they're trying to go back to something that he sort of recognises. Um, but it, it kind of it doesn't say, say much, Dre, for their 2017 bike if they're going back four years. In,
1: oh, yeah, and going back to the 20th century with Eugene Laverty's moustache. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, someone said someone said as Max
0: Biaggi made a comeback. <laughs> uh, when, they, when, they, when they looked at the picture of him, he looked very, very similar.
1: It, it must be in a prettier thing. If you join a pretty, you must have a Max Biaggi moustache. Yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, but it's uh, it's certainly not a go faster stripe, is it at the moment? Um, for his usual that as I say, a pretty bottom of the manufacturers championship in World Superbikes uh, on 19 points from four starts, um, which ain't great. Let's be honest. Um, on to World Super Sport um, and. Yeah, World Superbikes didn't exactly give us much entertainment this weekend, but, Dre, World Supersport more than made up for it.
1: Yeah, it, abs- it absolutely did. And, um, oh my gosh, another, another completely... What was the description you gave it? Batshit crazy. um, out of 10. That was, that was, what, was what I basically rated it on. And, and World Supersport sport stolen the show this year in terms of just sheer ridiculous races this year that... <laughs> It, like just completely throw out the rule book and then the form book on everything and anything you've known about World Supersport in the last three years. Like you take Keenan Sofobulu out of the mix and then all hell breaks loose. Like the the the, the, the dam of, of sporting convention has been blown wide open here and yeah, it doesn't make any sense, but we are going to make uh, we're going to try and make some sense of what was one of the most bonkers world super sport races I've ever seen. Yeah. Well, let,
0: let's try and tell the story of it then um just just stay with us listeners because this might take a while um mm-hmm. opening lap we see kluzel lead away from pole position now halfway around the first lap we see a rider completely out of control on the runoff um half crashing his bike and then spearing back across the field somehow not hitting anyone that was nikki tooley remember that name because it'll be important later um mm-hmm. following on from that we see a number of engines going pop first of all is the family who was a a guy who was in the top 10 contending for a win. His engine blows. At the same time, we notice Luca Majaes, the guy that nearly won in Phillip Island. He's gone missing. His bike's failed too. Uh, So he's out of the running. PJ Jacobson then disappears in a cloud of smoke. He's the guy that was on pole in Phillip Island and one of the title favorites. So he's out as well. While this Mm -hmm. is going on, we see Kyle Smith taking it upon himself to piss off every fan in the attendance by trying to carve up the Thai wildcards. He takes out Polomai, who was challenging for the victory. That lands him a penalty to drop three places, which he ignores. Um, out in front, Cluzel is leading the race. Then his engine blows up to take him out of the race, which leads us with a leading group of Federico Caracasulo and Deca Chrysart. That's because Christian Gamarino has also been taken out by Kyle Smith as he charges back through the field. Still with us. Two laps to go. Chrysart is beginning <laughs> to dream of a first win in World Supersport in front of his home crowd until Kyle Smith, who by this point has now been given a ride through for ignoring his penalty notice, carves him up and takes second well not second because he's out of the race because he's now been disqualified for failing to take his ride through (laughs) on the final lap kyle smith actually nearly wins the thing by within another lap he would have passed to take the lead of the race he didn't thankfully Karakasulo crosses the line to take the win with kyle smith all over his rear taillight but out of the race because he's been disqualified he's been black flagged and kryzart comes through all of that to take second And a career best in front of his home crowd. And remember, Nicky Tooley, that guy I told you about who nearly crashed on the first lap, he came through to finish third out of all (laughs) of that. If you have not seen this race, and we've not even come close to doing that justice, go back and watch it because it is, as Dre mentions, absolutely crazy. Um, So much (laughs) happening in that race. So let's try and pick it apart. Let's start with the winner, Federico Caracasula. A maiden win for him, Dre, in World Super Sport. And. Redemption for him in a sense as well, because he was of course the guy that torpedoed Cluzel on the final lap in Phillip Island. Oh yes, yes, so so a nice way for him to redeem himself, and also a strong start for Yamaha, who very nearly won in the first race of the season through Mahias, and they've now won race two with Karakasula
1: yeah, good for the manufacturers' title that they, the Yamaha seems to have got some good riders on their bikes this year. Um, yeah, completely agree, Karik. I mean, nice little redemption. I actually kind of actually forgotten that he'd taken out Clizette at Phillip Island, so I was like, oh yeah, that was him. And yeah, another another talented young Italian motorcycle rider. I mean, they're growing on trees these days, aren't they? But um, oh, I yeah. Yeah, exactly. Tremendous, tremendous first win again. He 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 controlled the race, and I mean, after Cluzel's engine went pop, and he did a very good job of holding off. What, what must have been a very game Chrysler, who, who was probably desperate for that first win. Again, not entirely Chrysler's fault, again because of what happened behind him with Carl Smith and whatnot. But it, with everything that was going on around him, that was a, that was a pretty mature and responsible ride to, to take what was given to you there like that, and holding off Chrysler who. Probably pulled the pin a little bit too early, but it mm. uh, uh, doesn't matter in the end. I mean, characters that have got there in the end, a, a very, very good win for him.
0: <laughs> mm. And, uh, and yeah, we, we, we have to talk about Carl Smith because he was kind of the guy that dominated the race. Um, by, and by dominated, I don't mean dominated by the front. He dominated the headlines, if you like, from that race. Now, this guy's also, like myself, he's a Yorkshireman. So he expects a bit of um, solidarity here. But in all seriousness, what the hell was he doing? I have no idea. I mean, I was... Even for a guy with the nickname Sideways Smith, I still wasn't expecting something <laughs> quite like that.
1: Me and my brother were watching this. And my brother's not the biggest superbike watcher out there. Me watching, even he was like, what the hell is he doing? Um, basically. It's like that old 500cc race in the 890s when Max Piaggi, who's already been back flagged, wins the race out of spite. Yeah. Um, basically so, it's just yeah, out of spite. And out of spite, the TV directors refused to show it.
0: <laughs> they just didn't yeah, to so, show him.
1: Yeah, I was like no, 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 sod this. Like we're not, we're not putting them on TV. But yeah, Smith. Uh, in Smith's defence, like he probably didn't see the penalty warning because apparently Gino Ria didn't see it too. Um, so you yeah, know, taking that what you yeah, will. we can kind of any... defend
0: that, but can we defend but
1: the, the move on
0: Polami and the move on Gamarino that kind of landed him the penalty?
1: What the hell was he doing going into that final corner? Like he, he's clearly braked at least twenty meters too late. Yeah, he took and... three of them. It took it overtook three of them and again, Camacho had to have to, to dive out of the way almost because he was he was gonna get speared if, if, if he kept that bike where he was, because there was no way Smith was making that apex. No way. And he he, he... He ran wide in that same corner a couple of laps later as well, so it was obvious that you know he was he was misjudging his braking in that final corner throughout because because obviously he fixed it later on in the race, so it was it was clearly a rider error and and I just don't know what he was doing out there and the fact he was carving up Chrysler for the win later on as well when when he's already basically been given a right through penalty, it's like. Well, I also hold his team partly of like, Didn't the team tell him ride through on the, yeah, pit, on board the pit board? Yeah. Like, so, uh, it, it, was Smith just so into the race that he just didn't read the pit board at all over the course of that race? I don't know. Mm. But it's just, what a bizarre b- beh- behavioural trait from Carl Smith on that one. It just didn't really make any sense to me.
0: Yeah, as <laughs> you say, you can, you can almost forgive the, the not seeing
1: the black flag or the ride through because Gino Rio did
0: the same thing. Um, he was given a ride-through for, fa- for basically for failing to start at the back of the grid because he, he arrived on the grid behind the safety car um, because he'd had a problem at the start of the formation lap and had to sort of restart his bike. Um, so you can almost forgive that. Um, but like I say, for me the bigger the bigger issue is the moves he was putting on people. Like the, the move on Polomay that got him the penalty, um, which took him out, was was crude, said least. I mean, we saw. Chaz Davies put an amazing move on Sikes in race one at the fast right, um, out the back of the circuit, and it was almost as if Carl Smith had saw that and thought, "John, I'm going to have a go at that," um, and ended up running them both clean off the road. Polomai then went down. Um, that was the first of the Taiwan cars, then he proceeded to piss off the second one by by getting involved in the fight for the win on the last lap of the race. Um, so uh, yeah, Carl Smith probably not welcome in Thailand any time soon uh, after what happened in that first race. Um, now. <laughs> There were a number of, as I say, a number of engine blow-ups that kind of shaped this race, uh, and they all seem to happen to championship contenders. Dre, almost as if Keenan Sepulga was sat at home with a big red detonator button.
1: What? What's this? Three, <laughs> two, one. Two, and there goes Jacobson's engine. Um, it was like, oh, for God's sake! Uh, like, uh, I. I I find it amazing. Okay, maybe one title contender has an engine. But like, Thailand had tricky conditions. It was 37 degrees out there oh, really during hot. the race. Very, very hot indeed out there. Like, Jonathan Ray had his levers unzipped off the race, his race two win like, while well, he was still on the bike. It was like, it, he looked like General Zord out there for a man of steel. It was just like, just like the, the entire jacket on already at that point. But yeah, it was very, very hot out there. So maybe an engine or two could go pop all three title contenders all went boom. I just go, what kind of horrendous luck did I miss here? That All three of Keenan's main title contenders all had similar engine related blowups in the same race within the same, maybe 15 minute time span. Even it's just, it's ridiculous. And wow, just, uh, all sorts of crazy Keenan, um, uh, what? Can you, what's your lucky number? Can you tell me the lottery numbers for, for Sunday, please? Yeah. You know, just... just, just Oh, God. Yeah, I, I can't one, be-
0: of those, one of those was Jacobson, who, as I mentioned earlier on, there were two uh, factory MB Augusta's that went pop in the space of about an hour and a half. Uh, Jacobson's was the first of them, um, which took him out. Mahias, who was second in Phillip Island, so um, he was probably the best placed of them, given that he's, yeah had 20 points on the board and was looking quick um, in Thailand as well. So he's probably the guy that was looking to get the biggest head start on Safuoglu uh, in the points. Um, Jacobson, who only got those 10 points from Phillip Island after basically fluffing his lines in the race, I mean, put it on pole. Um, but surely the guy that we have to feel most sorry for here, Drew, is Jules Cluzel, who was, as I mentioned, taken out by Caracasulo on the final lap in Australia, then puts it on pole in time, then looks like he's leading pretty comfortably until his Honda goes bang, and he's still stuck in the starting gates. He hasn't got a single point.
1: Oh, like Cazell's season might be over before it's even began, basically because of those two incidents. It's a real shame. He's been so unlucky um, in 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 that regard. Where again, through no fault of his own, he's got zero points to his name. He doesn't deserve that at all. 50. He could have easily had fifty. He was winning that race in Thailand. He was he was comfortable out of there, and yeah, like taken out in Philippine from a solid position there, and again taken out by a blown engine a blown Honda shall I say in 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 race two and a race he was leading from the front end it was just oh it's 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 a terrible bit of luck and uh, it's a real shame because he deserves better and yeah like krizel now knowing he's lost two rounds to Keenan Safoglu and has no advantage to speak of whatsoever now yeah it's it, it points it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a brutal bit of luck, it really is.
0: Mm, yeah, and uh, as we mentioned earlier on, the, the guy that was way out of control on that first lap and, and somehow came back to finish on the Rostrum, um, what a ride. We didn't see much of it, Dre, but Nicky too, They must have been hauling ass in that second race.
1: Yeah, we didn't see it on camera at all, but Nikki Tooley was must have been just on it like a like a rocket. It was ridiculous. His pace to be able to come through. I remember, the rest of the field was crazy. You had guys like Carl Ride in there as well, and obviously Smith recovering from his numerous mistakes. Um, but for Tsuli to come through there and finish in third, um, awesome stuff. Um, tr- tremendous performance from him in in the grand scheme of things. Again, Gregory Haines had to correct himself, saying like, "Wait, this this isn't his first podium because the guy's a quality rider. Yeah, he he clearly is yes.
0: as, as a wild card on that where they finally now got the budget together to do the full season this year um, mm-hmm. with Sheridan Marais as his teammate. And uh, yeah, they're running the full season this season. And truly through that podium, he's second in the points um, now because he finished sort of fourth, I think he was in in oh, Philip Island as well. Um, in that race where we saw so many guys getting taken out um, through crashes. Out of it all, though, Dre, somehow, despite a pants weekend in Thailand, where he qualified second last, finished 11th purely by dint of so many people dropping out ahead of him, Attrition. Robbie Rolfo <laughs> still leads the championship.
1: Go, Robbie Rolfo! Yes! <laughs> we're, we're, bringing it, we're bringing it back to the late 90s,
0: people. Yeah, uh, it says a lot, uh, doesn't it? When... Um, Out of the first two rounds, 30 points from a possible 50 leads the championship. (laughs)
1: Yeah, none of this makes any sense. None of it does. Forget this weekend never happened. Let's move on with our lives. Keenan is probably going to be back at Aragon in three weeks' time, and he's going to probably curb stomp everybody again because that's what Keenan does. Um, so, yeah, forget this whole thing ever happened. The championship effectively starts in three weeks' time because none of us has given Robbie Rolfo a hope mm. in hell here, basically. But, hey, it's nice to see him at the top of the leaderboard for two straight rounds. And that's got it's, it's very funny. It is. In- the 36-year-old Robbie Rolfo is top of the championship. That's, that's, that's tremendous.
0: Yeah, because what was funny is I remember the commentary as it was going on with Greg and, and James Whitton where they were talking about, like, Greg was like, oh, Rolfo's having a disastrous weekend. And James Whitam was like, well, well, yeah, but that's kind of what he was like before Philip Island, wasn't it? That's kind of yeah, what he, how well, he usually is. Like, like, that, like that's like, the baseline. Yeah, Philip <laughs> Island was the the shock where he was up there winning the thing. Um, which kind of makes, shows Thanks. how much of a fairy tale He's like the Leicester City of World Supersport. Um, bless him. <laughs> um, so here's how the race finished then in Thailand. Um, if you predict this result, then uh, go collect your winnings. Karakasudo, the winner from Trizat and Thule. Um, that was the podium. Um, Titipong Warakon, who was Safuoglu's replacement on the Pichetti Kawasaki. He's another Thai rider. He finished fourth ahead of his teammate, Kyle Ride. He's very quietly having a very, very good start to the season. Uh, Hikari Okubo, who is one of the CAA Landlord Insurance Hondas, not to blow up. He finished sixth, ahead of Sheridan Marais on the second of the Calio Yamahas. Um, Aiden Wagner, eighth. Um, he's the top Aussie. He's quietly as well had a very good start to the season. Um, ahead of Watanabe, the Japanese, in ninth. And Robin Mulhauser, who, uh, of course, crashed out of that first race in Australia. He got tenth. Um, Robbie Wolf as I mentioned, 11th, ahead of Lachlan Epis, Nacho Calero, Davide Pizzoli, and for the second race in a row, we didn't have enough finishers to round out the points. Oh, uh, only 14 finishers um, <laughs> well, in the second World well, yeah. Race again. Which means the championship looks like this. Rolfo leads it remarkably 30 points. Tuli second, three points behind him. Then comes Karakasulo, who's up to third on 25. Uh, Kyle Ride is fourth on 24, so he's just six off the lead. Kreisart uh, is fifth. On 20, then comes Mahayas on sixth. He's also on 20. Aiden Wagner, the Aussie, is seventh on 17, ahead of his fellow countryman Anthony West, who bought a one-way ticket to Thailand in the hope that he'd find a bike, but he couldn't, so he didn't race. Uh, he's eighth on 16. Then comes Watanabe on 15. Sheridan Mariah completes the top ten on 14 points um, of the championship contenders. Um, Jacobson is 13th on 10. Cluzel still has none, same as Glue, who is likely to be back. In Aragon, and only has a thirty-point handicap um, to overcome, and that's up against Robbie Rolfo. So I'll probably have, have that back in two races. Um, mm, it's so been probably, quite the probably. start in World Super Sport. Next round of the championship, then, uh, which I cannot wait for, is in Aragon in two and a half weeks' time. But we'll also see the debut of the Super Sport 300 class, uh, as, uh. Well as, as well as the return of the Stock Thousands as well. Um, so plenty to look forward to when World Super Sport returns and Superbikes in a couple of weeks time. Let's do the news then. And um, not a lot of news to bring you because we're we're still, as I say, only in World Superbike territory. MotoGP and BSB start in the coming weeks. But we do have some BSB news. And this is quite some cool news, Dre. For anyone who's listening to this, who who lives anywhere near Donington, who fancies going to Donington next Wednesday, because if you fancy watching some BSB testing, you get in for free. Hey, who doesn't love a good freebie? (laughs) But say,
1: yeah, go on, go on. (laughs)
0: No, no, I was going to say because... What, we, what what I think BSB are doing such a good job here is just making it accessible because we, I mean, we Formula One testing has been going on uh, uh, not so long ago and I was looking at some of the recent prices that are going around for Formula One race tickets. Now, I know it's racing we're talking about here, not testing, but BSB, and you can attest to this because you've been to a, a, a round, they yeah. do such a good job of enhancing the fan experience. Absolutely.
1: Like, the, f- like the, the tickets are dirt cheap as well. Like I think most of the time it's no more than maybe forty quid for an entire weekend, and you know the the, the fan base is incredible. Like like they have every catering spot you could possibly think of on god's green earth at a race meeting take it from me i, I had to try every single one of them mm-hmm. um <laughs> but um in any case um yeah like they they, they they do a brilliant job of fan accessibility they know the series is cheap they, they know that the biggest priority is getting is getting heads through the door and seeing their product which is an excellent product so they know that the priority is getting people to see what they're doing, and that they're they're doing a very very good job of that. And hey, making testing free—that's superb. It's it's far better than getting on a plane to Catalonia to watch a McLaren blow up. <laughs> yeah, as,
0: as fun as that is, um, but uh, but no, if you want to, what you what you get to watch next week actually, and we might as well just just mention some of these because um, for those that maps haven't followed the news over the offseason in BSP, you'll get to see Silvagni Gintoli on a factory Suzuki for the Build Based team. Uh, mm-hmm. next week. Uh, you'll get to see Davide Giuliano on a uh, Tyco BMW, um, which will the world well worth watching. You get to see uh, the new JG Spivik Kawasaki team, uh, same team, name, different team. Um, it's now the Cottero Plant team, essentially the Bournemouth team that we saw last year um, with Leon Haslam and Luke Mossy, uh, We'll see Shaky Byrne looking to do what Shaky Byrne does, and that's dominate again uh, yes. in BSB. Uh, we'll also see the likes of Bradley Ray, who's moving up Uh, into BSB, he's a teammate to uh, Gintoli um, next year so so much to keep an eye on so much world class talent now uh, in British Superbikes for you to watch the new McCams Yamaha team with Laverty Michael Laverty um, and James Ellison Um, so if you're anywhere near Donington, get yourself down there and even if you're not, you don't even have to pay to get in, all you have to pay for is to get there so um, if, if you've got nothing to do next Wednesday I would suggest head to Donington Park and watch some free BSB testing Um, it will be well worth uh, getting down there. Um, TV broadcasting news to bring you before we move on to MotoGP testing. Um, Because Speedway, British Speedway has a new home for this year. We'll be covering Speedway as we go through the year when the Grand Prix series starts. Um, But the uh, newly named Speedway GB Premiership, which replaces the old Elite League, uh, will be broadcast on BT Sport this year, um, moving from its previous home of Sky Sports, which basically means that all the live Speedway in the UK will be all in one place, on BT Sport. That is the Speedway GP Premiership, the Elite League and the World Cup. Uh, they'll be all in one place. Um, MotoGP uh, highlights have a new home. Of course, the live coverage range is on BT Sport as well, um, but uh, the highlights this year will be now on Channel 5. Um, moving across mm. from their new home of ITV4. And um, this is kind of important news, this because we, we learned a couple of weeks ago that the MotoGP highlights were leaving ITV4. Um, and I have to say I'm not particularly convinced by the Formula E coverage I've seen from Channel 5. I'll be honest with you. It's not been great. Uh, it's it's, not been great but um but, but given that MotoGP needs as many eyes looking on it as possible, especially with a British talent team now coming into play, um, to have free-to-air highlights, particularly on one of the main five channels, can't be a bad thing for, for MotoGP, can it?
1: Yeah, Channel 5 is an infinitely better channel to have your, your show on compared to ITV4, which is still kind of a hipster channel really more than anything else. Um, interesting to see that ITV is having less motorsport than they've had invested in before, and it looks like players like Channel 5 is having an extended effort to get more of it on with Formula E this, this season, which, if I'm honest, hasn't been great. But hey, it's a highlight package. All you got to do is get yeah. a voiceover, guy to present it, and you know they've you, already done the hard work yeah. for you. The time zone so- is
0: going to be important here, isn't it?
1: Yes, exactly. I mean, we, we, I mean, like I know Wolds has been on Channel Four as highlights before, but they're like two in the morning or yeah. six in the morning, where it's just t- it's it's time filler. It's treated as filler basically. So yeah, the time slot will be important in this one. I hope it's on a prime time slot or something close to that. I mean, yeah,
0: because do the we... don't they?
1: Yeah, it's like it's either like sort of that or we get another gadget show series rerun. So you know, <laughs> rather that, rather that than anything else, you know. <laughs> yeah,
0: let's, let's go for it. So let's hope. Uh... Let's hope GP gets the, uh, the coverage it deserves on Channel 5. It certainly gets the wall-to-wall live coverage on BT Sport, which starts next week. Um, mm-hmm. And we're going to cover that next because we're going to talk testing because the final pre-season test took place in Qatar last week, and we will cover that in just a moment. Right then let's talk testing and the final four days of preseason testing about three days to say uh, in Qatar over the weekend um, and not a lot really changed did it Dre because in the uh, same sort of vein as the pre- three previous tests Maverick Vinales dominated again
1: yeah it's it's becoming a pattern here folks Maverick Vinales is really good at riding motorcycles um, yeah, it's it's been incredible. Like it's like I think friend of the show, Zara Daniela said it very well and she said straight up, like Maverick's now got the factory itch where he's got to be top of the timesheet now, whatever happens, and he's taken this bike like a duck to water, and he's doing an excellent, excellent job on there, and I think he's sending shockwaves through the through the paddock going that this kid is this quick on this bike very quickly and Maverick said straight up at the end of the test, this bike is ready to race um like the DV feels like they're ready to go basically and let's just say other people on the paddock aren't that confident in their own ability right now let's we'll put it that way no because
0: <laughs> what's kind of ominous is that those are the kind of words we heard jonathan ray saying around a month ago weren't they
1: uh-huh exactly and that's a terrifying force mm,
0: yeah vignale <laughs> quickest on a 154 three um in the qatar test and he was quickest on two of the three days um as well um He's the favourite, isn't he? He's got, I mean, a championship, not so sure, but surely he's the odds-on favourite for Qatar, the Grand Prix,
1: in about a week and a half's time. Has to be. How could he not be off the testing like that? That like that was ridiculous, what he was doing out there. Um, yeah, like, again, like they, they
0: say, you can only read so much from testing, but I think the signs are pretty ominous, aren't they? Well, you his, can't ignore like, them. His,
1: his teammate Valentino Rossi said straight up Maverick is, and I quote, very, very fast from, from what he said, straight up. And, uh, you know, more on that Rossi dynamic later, but it's Maverick has to be favorite now. Like he, he's, he's looking terrifyingly fast out there in that Yamaha right now. And no one else has, has gotten within a, a good half second of what Maverick's been able to do all testing long. So, and yeah, if in his race pace is up there and you know, the track is in a decent state, He'll probably be favourite for for Catal, which is again a scary thought because but the kid is the kid is super fast.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah let's talk about his teammate while we're talking uh, Yamaha, because as you mentioned, Valentino Rossi, um, basically stating how quick he thought Vinales was, and uh, I saw a quote from him on the second day where Rossi was second to to Vinales uh, in on that day in history where Yamaha had a 1-2-3 with Folger up in third, and um, I remember Rossi saying that he passed Vinales. At one stage, he says, "I managed to pass him on his very, his one only slow lap of the winter," um, <laughs> which, which was I thought was great, seeing how basically amazing Val- uh, Vinales has been all winter. That he, v- uh, Valentino finally managed to find him on a slow lap, he'd been searching for one all winter. Um, yep. but, but Valentino, um, he said out of his own mouth, and this is out of the Yamaha press release, so it's, um, you know, it's not like uh, Yamaha have tried to airbrush this out. Uh, Valentino saying that. Uh, we are still not ready and we don't understand 100% how to make the bike work at the maximum. Um, now, we said on the last show that your yeah, Valentino Valentino's probably still going to be there anyway because he always is, but there's no way that he would be this far down and struggling this much on purpose.
1: No. That, like, that's not... I don't think it's in Valentino to be like that. And the thing with Valentino is he's always been very honest and he doesn't, he doesn't pull punches when it comes to these scenarios. He's a bit sly in how he goes about himself. But... Like Rossi wouldn't lie about something like that. Like not when it comes to the bike and his performance. He, he's always been a very, he's always been very loyal to the brands he represents. So yeah, like it looks like Rossi is struggling and testing again, which for me means absolutely nothing. Which means he'll probably yeah. finish fourth in Qatar because that's what Valentino Rossi does. He he makes the best out of bad situations. He's been he's been doing that for the majority of his career, and he's Valentino. He always finds a way to get it done in the end, but. It is very interesting to see the polarizing side of both of the Yamark and where Maverick is saying it's ready to go. I'm ready to go. Let's start Qatar already, goddammit! I'm really, really fast. Whereas Valentino Rossi is saying we can't push at the maximum comfortably yet. It's, it's a very polarizing camp. So like. Who's right? Who's wrong here? Are they both right? Who knows? It's it's a very, very interesting dynamic that's going on right there, and there's no obvious answer here.
0: Yeah, and part of me wonders whether Maverick's also saying that, like, oh, well, I'm ready to go now, because you kind of wishes it did start now while Rossi's struggling. Um, yeah, exactly. Like, Bank those points now while, while your teammate's in a bit of trouble, because if the Yamaha is that good, then, yeah, you, you've got to think that those two are going to be two of the three championship contenders this season. Um, I think we all know who the other one's going to be, and that's the guy that defends the title, Mark Marquez. And um, Yet again, that Honda just doesn't seem to like Qatar, does it, Dre? Marc Marquez um, spent most of the test in the bottom end of the top 10 and most of the test crashing, from as far as I could see.
1: Exactly. I mean, three crashes on the final day kind of says a lot, really, about where Honda are right now. I mean, Pedrosa very quietly went about his business and did some good work on the final day, but, like, Marquez... Is, is this just the Marquez thing now where he's just going to you know, override it in practice, see where the line is, and then and then know where it is, and then reel himself in for races? Because that's, that's what Marquez has been doing pretty much his entire career so far. He's always used practice as a way to say, OK, I'm going to ride over the limit and see where the line is, and then we'll go from there. And let's be real here. Qatar is not the best place for testing. And I'm going to make a point of this now because they start their test sessions in the day. You don't bother running in the daytime because it's not representative of what the track's going to be at night. And then when it gets night, it gets cold, and therefore you get condensation on the track. The, the dew comes down, yeah. The dew comes down, the track is super slippery, and you can't ride at your best because there's a lack yeah. of grip well, on the so, was responsible
0: for two of those three Marquez crashes as well.
1: Exactly. So it's, it's hard to get a real gauge on just what, just like what, what, like what? Like as a test environment, it doesn't really make sense. So, yeah, it's it's not ideal at all. Um, and it's it, it's like we got to take this with a pinch of because it's Mark Marquez. He it's a good, again, it's a good he's... point
0: to make that actually, because a lot of people always ask, why does the Qatar Grand Prix weekend, the Mos GP, run over four days rather than three? That's why, because there just exactly. isn't a big enough window to get all the sessions in. before a while it's dark, and also before the dew comes down. So they spread exactly. it over four days. Um, but but finally on Marquez, he's also referred to Vinales. And he says that in terms of his own pace, he says, our rhythm is quite good. Only Maverick is faster than everyone here. Um, and he says that if they were able to race tomorrow, he should be able to fight for the podium. So even Mark is basically calling it and admitting now that Maverick's a level ahead of everyone.
1: Exactly. Like Maverick looks like he could race tomorrow. I don't, I don't think anybody else except maybe for the Tech 3s who are always punching above their weight right now and props to them for that. But, yeah, Maverick looks like he's in a completely different league. I think Maverick could race tomorrow if it came down to it, and that's that's a terrifying thought for the rest of the field. I don't think anybody else is up there. Marquez had got a good pace at Phillip Island. I mean, from, from what I know, Mar- Marquez's race pace was stunning out there at Phillip Island. So mm-hmm. the bike is clearly fast. It's just a matter of... Again, I think for Honda, it's finding where the line is. And then when, 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 yeah, when Marquez finds the line, he'll be just fine, I reckon. But like, so that's the thing with Marquez. He's the guy that can crash it a billion times and still still win multiple races a season because that's just what Marquez does. So he's such a freak case that he, he he rewrites the rule book on these things. So we'll have to wait and see how this goes. Um yeah. Looking forward to seeing how it goes now, for sure. Yeah, a
0: lot of eyes, uh, naturally, given that it's Qatar, were on Ducati, given how well they often go around there. Um, and I think uh, we had to avert our eyes on day two when we saw the new fairing, the Hammerhead Fairing, as it's been affectionately, well, not affectionately, but that's how it's been titled, What on Earth is that, Dre? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: the and it, and it state look- of that Ducati. It's a gopher. It's, it's it's a gopher with two pieces of popcorn in its mouth. It's 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 brilliant. Yeah, and, I said to, oh, yeah, I said to I Gesh,
0: one of our one of our loyal listeners, the Raymeister on Twitter, I said, yes. that, that's how I thought the Ducati often looked last year when Unione had finished with it." <laughs>
1: yeah, that actually makes perfect sense. Oh my god, that that bike looks like a disaster area. And um, I, okay, I like. Like, Lewis, have you seen all the journalists like Simon Patterson and David Emmett saying, Oh, this is great. They, they look like prototypes now. Listen, I don't care if they're prototypes. Like, listen, I don't care if they're prototypes or not. L- listen, ugly is ugly, no matter what the purpose is. Like, if it wins races, great, awesome. Yeah, I, mean, can- I, I, na- I, w- I would have one question like for these guys, <clears throat>
0: who I respect greatly, because they're, they're, they're as good as good, the, the brightest and best brains in motorcycle racing, Absolutely. journalism. But would they have looked at those uh, appendages on the front of Formula One noses a couple of years ago and looked at that and gone, hey, that's prototype technology?
1: No, they wouldn't. They'd have said, oh, this car is ugly. Bring back the 2007 cars and the V10s. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, sure. okay, it might help them win a few extra rounds. Great. Awesome. Fantastic. It doesn't mean I have to say they look pretty. They're like that's that they can be mutually exclusive things you know guys like you don't have to say like i people i was speaking to again friend of the show frank all about this and she said straight up you know oh i'd rather a team be daring great awesome if they win races great well if they don't what are you gonna tell me then oh well at least they tried No, no 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 listen they can be as fast as, as they want. It doesn't mean they have to look nice. And fine, that's great. If it wins races, no one's going to care. But at the same time, it doesn't mean I have to actively say, oh, it looks great because it's a prototype part. No, it's ugly as sin. Yeah, uh, like, yeah, because it,
0: because, it because Honda debuted, it didn't look quite like the Ducati, which, like I say, looks like a bit like a hammerhead. It looks like a hammerhead that's been hammered in Batman. the head. Batman! Um, yeah, it does. Um, and, and Honda debuted their own sort of um, aero fairing on the front of their bike and that wasn't particularly great either um is this getting out of hand this uh, i mean I, I know they had to do something with the regulations because they didn't want um bikes that looked like the ducati last year where um it just had it had it was sprouting wings but places where it already had wings um and it was getting to the point where it was dangerous where if that bike crashes into someone it's gonna slice their leg open Yeah, and they they've tried to get around that with with this kind of fairing, which, if anything, looks even worse.
1: I guess, as they say in F one if it if it if if it wins, it will always look beautiful. But at the same time, I think this is getting a little bit out of hand. That's another example
0: of the teams being a step ahead of the rulemakers here, doesn't
1: it? Exactly, like like it's motorsport. There'll always be loopholes, and when it's it's up to the guys that make up the rules to close those loopholes when they become open. We get it in Formula One all the time, where a team will try and find little ways of bending the rules, and then the rules are going to catch up and ban it. So you know that that's how that's how it is. It's how it's always been. So the loophole is now that you can have we can have these wings as long as they're a part of the chassis overall, and now we've got bloated ducati cheeks batmans on on hondas and like the 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 curvy yamaha with slits down them in in the inside of it it's a Mm. it's a weird dynamic and yes great great for the pr companies
0: slightly more subtle with it
1: yes like uh, again it's great for the pr department saying oh great you know they're they're proper prototypes They don't like world Superbikes anymore half you guys don't care about worlds anyway (laughs) like like so, like why do you suddenly care about worlds needing differentiation because they're production bikes? No, like listen, let's no, no, not. No, let's... No, I, I haven't seen, I haven't seen anyone getting confused between the two. No, me neither. I've never seen that scenario before in my life. So no, I am not going to go there with any of that shit. For me, quite, quite frankly. So for me, yeah, they're, they're ugly, and I think it's it's. Like you're gonna put fans off the series because these bike these prototypes have always been very nice looking bikes. They always have been. And like I okay, we're moving into an era of aerodynamics now in bike racing. And you know, of course, that's technology, that's that's inevitable, that's how it's always gonna be. But it's not like in Formula One where you can make three seconds up with a bigger with a bit of error and making bigger tires. It's not like that in bike racing, it's a different dynamic entirely. Um, but for me, I, I think it's I think it's silly. I think it's silly, and no, like no one has ever watched MotoGP and said, "You know what, this needs more aerodynamics. Uh, we need we need more downforce on these bikes, you guys." Mm. Uh, no one has said this ever in the history of GP motorcycle racing. So let's let let us let, let's, let's cut this crap out already, guys. I mean, seriously, <laughs> enough. <laughs> yeah, and um, there's still not a guarantee, by the way, that Ducati are actually
0: going to race this. Um, that's that's I guess that's one point we should make because they tested it um on day two with divizioso uh, in qatar and you know there's no guarantee that that that's the bike that will actually race in the opening round much likewise with the honda so they may actually run with the bike that we've already been seeing so far in testing but it was interesting where i remember reading on twitter that everyone was expecting something radical to appear on the ducati at some stage and i was like, there it is there it is um, <laughs> that's what we were fearing um so yeah yep. time will time will tell whether ducati raced that but i mean one thing we could probably guarantee Dre, right? and I think we already knew this before the test took place, but it confirmed it that La Salle is one of those circuits where we can expect Ducati to be very much in the fight for victory, can't we?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Lorenzo was very fast indeed, and you know four
0: in the top six.
1: Four in the top six. Redding was up there on the GP16. Lorenzo has always been good around Qatar. Yeah, Bautista as well. I mean, Ducati is half the field. They're bound to get somebody in there, right? So, you know, in in any case, yeah, they look very, very fast indeed. Um, Yeah, I can't wait to see how it it turns out and seeing exactly where Lorenzo fits in. And and Dovi, because Dovi, again, has been up there as well, absolutely, all the time in in Qatar. Yeah, very nearly won it last year and the year before. Um, so, yeah, it was a temple away in 2015. So, yeah, without question, um, I'm really looking forward to seeing how they fit into play. Because, again, Qatar has a habit of being a bit of an equaliser. Um, so, yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait for two weeks' time in the opening round. <laughs> yeah,
0: I don't think any of us can. Ducati's impressive showing in Qatar. Well, I say impressive. It's kind of what we've come to expect now from them uh, around there. Um, had, came with a few fall guys because one thing that I noticed, straight from the test in, in La Salle was that the Suzuki's and the Aprilia's were a lot lower down than they had been previously in the winter. You know when Spargro and Sam Lowe's, although that one's more expected given that he's a rookie um, on largely 2016 parts for most of the winter, they were all outside the top 10. Um, so are we to take from that that That's more a a byproduct of the Ducatis being quicker than normal, or Suzuki probably finding a circuit that doesn't necessarily suit them quite so much.
1: Yes, Um, (laughs) is a short answer for that one. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm not sure on this one yet, to be honest with you. Suzuki have not been quick there with Vinales last year, weren't they in in Qatar? Yeah, didn't they finish sixth there with him last year as well? Yeah, front front rowing qualifying as well. So they've been fast, but again, I think the field has gotten faster, definitely. Like like Ducati have completely now phased out the 14.1s and twos out of MotoGP now. Everyone's on at least a 15, and that was the bike that pushed Ducati up the field a little bit further. So by the looks of it, the field in general will be a lot quicker this year. The satellite bikes will be better. The Tech Three guys are gonna have last year's championship. You know, level Yamaha in on in their system as well. So the satellites are all going to be faster. By default, once they get their heads around these new bikes, they're all going to be up there. Despite the disjointed nature of some guys being on seventeens like Petrucci, some guys on sixteens like Reddin and Bautista, and some guys on 15s, like like Baz and Carol Abraham. So once once it all shakes out, we'll see how it we'll see how it goes down. But I think on paper the field should be faster.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and yet again, you mentioned them there, yet again, the guys that perhaps many of us thought would suffer um, through all of the strong factory teams that we have are not struggling. That's Folger and Zarko and the Tech 3 Yamahas, who, um, if you look back at last year, it was Tech 3, particularly through Bradley Smith, that really suffered by the Suzuki's being so strong, by have, uh, the factory, uh, factory and satellite Ducati's being so strong. Um, but Folger and Zarko look like they're quick enough to rise above it all.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean like I think Jonas Volga yeah, on day one. Yeah, I think Volga and Zarko have been the biggest surprise in all of testing. I think that like, Volga has adapted so quickly to MotoGP by the looks of it. Like, like I'm very impressed with Volga and Zarko. They look like they've taken to this bike very, very quickly indeed. They're right up there like, in deep in the top ten on, on testing times alone. Like, Tech Free could be on a, on a, like, a mini resurgence here by the looks of it. with because we, we, Let's be real, they've fallen down the order because Yamaha's given them less and less to play with, basically, as time has gone on. And Paul DeSquadre and Smith kind of suffered for it. But if they have a really good bike underneath them this year, and they adapt to it quickly, Zarco and Fulgur could be in the top six easily. Like, there's no reason why they couldn't because Ducati struggle a lot on these circuits. So... Yeah, I mean, I'm a very impressive Tech 3, and they've got two very, very good riders there with, with Volga, and if Volga, if you know Volga's like, he's got a ridiculous upside to him. Well, on his day, he's as good as anyone, and Zarko is Mr. Consistency. So, they've got a very, very good team there, and if, if the Yamaha Tech 3 satellite package is any good, they'll be in the top 8, for sure. No question.
0: And what's interesting, I mean, we, we, we won't look ahead too much, because we'll do that on next week's season preview, but if you look at how strong the field is now and the fact that these guys are surprising us you've got to think you look at some of the big names now who are gonna get a bloody nose in in the early stages of the season the likes of perhaps rossi or Pedrosa or lorenzo um or Davitioso, or you know someone's gonna finish eighth and it might well be one of these very very big names
1: Absolutely. Like, like, there's no, like, look at Philip Arden, for example, where he had like the top six in within five seconds of each other. That could easily be someone like Lorenzo on a bad day. Or someone, you know, again on a Suzuki or a Yamaha or or, or a, a top tier like a Petrucci, for example. Yeah, there's no reason why they can sit down in the order on a bad day because like by default and by design with Dawna, they've decided to try and bring the field together with, with standardized electronics and now them supporting the satellite teams by bailing out the bike costs. So mm. on on paper, they're designing the, the field to be closer and closer together. So we might see that come to fruition this year for sure. Mm. Mm, yeah, the fact that the field
0: is so close <laughs> together has kind of come at a cost for one team and that's the new team uh, to GP and that's KTM who found themselves at the bottom of the field uh, in Qatar, and they're, they're kind of the victims, in a sense, Dre, of how competitive and how close MotoGP is now, because to their in, in immense credit KTM, around one of the longest circuits of the season, one that really tests the bikes, they were only two seconds off the pace of having Vinales, but unfortunately these days, two seconds off means last place.
1: Yeah, that's that that is that's the context it's of what, what, what yeah, it's, it's brutal, like two seconds on the top, would, that would not be back of the field pace two years ago. But now that, that is, yeah, that, that, that might look that, that might be no points given the, how the field is now. And again, that you might have exposed a problem with this new format. And that might be a new team or a new factory taking part might have to like take a year out basically to develop a bike that could be close enough. Mm. They're going to be playing catch up now because everybody else has got subsidized super bikes that they've that, that dawn has paid for them from like the previous years but you know previous years machinery and whatnot so it's probably going to make the catch-up job that much harder mm.
0: yeah it is and, and you look at the times from their two riders who we've said so many times haven't we that how evenly matched they often are um bradley smith 21st Paul 22nd um mm-hmm. just a tenth of a second apart bradley on a 56.3 Paul on a 56.4 which kind of tells you that that bike won't go any quicker um, then, then it's going because they're both on pretty much the same level with it. Um, so uh, so KTM, they, uh, Bradley Smith was very honest where he said that they they're in touch with a couple of guys. Those guys being Lowe's and Rabat, um, mm-hmm. but they need another half second to be in with that midfield group, that group that are fighting for points. Um, yeah, because one point two seconds covers the top eighteen. Um, huh. Uh, Come on. And then it's another six tens back to Sam Lowe's, Rabat, Smith and the and Callio was That's there on Linda test, Chris. The test Here's the full rundown of how it finished in Qatar. Vignale's quickest the 154-3. That was seven clear of Davizioso in second. Then came Pedrosa, Lorenzo, Bautista and Redding completing the top six. Fulga seventh, first of the tech threes ahead of Crutchlow in eighth. Um we're still within half a second of the lead time here, by the way, uh, in eighth. Zarco, 9th, and Mark Marquez was 10th, 0.6 off. Rossi, 11th, uh, then came Iannone, Abraham, Rins in 14th, Alaysia Spargaro, 15th, 1.1 off. And then came Miller and Baz, and Petrucci, 1.2 off in 18th. Then comes Sam Lowe's in 19th, Tito Rabat, 20th. He was back from injury, of course, in Qatar. Bradley Smith, Paula Spargaro, and Mika Kallio on the three KTMs, because Kallio was their test rider, 21st to 23rd, uh, all in the 156s. Um, which a couple of years ago would have been a very, very fast time around Qatar, but it ain't anymore. Unfortunately, you've got to be in the 54s if you want to be on pole position, um, which is where Maverick Vinales probably will be uh, in a week and a half's time, where we hope to see the return of Hector Barbera as well, who, of course, missed this test through injury. Um, that just about does it for this week's edition of Bike Live Dre. Uh And as we mentioned earlier on, our next show next week will be season preview time. But before that, Monosport Woo! 101 returns a little bit later this week, tell us what's coming up.
1: Tell us what's coming up. Um, oh god, you put me on the spot, here, haven't you, son of me? <laughs> You're recording it later today. Yeah, we are good it today. We'll probably be talking about IndyCar in St Petersburg. More from more from testing in the F1 car launches and we'll be bringing back the mailbag as well so your questions will be on there as well but uh, a lot to take away from IndyCar in St. Petersburg, Sebastian Borde going from last to first to win in classic Sebastian Borde champ car fashion, um, Honda looking like that may actually be better than Chevrolet this year which is very interesting indeed that 7 of the top 10 were Honda finishers and all the other usual calamitous fan base hijinks and me getting mocked over my fantasy team because of course that's what we do around here these days, Motorsport One that'll be out later this week for sure
0: yeah, yeah, you thought your fantasy team was going to get mocked, but I think uh, your, your meme might let you off the hook there, Dre. Um, so, so, so you may, you may, Make you may, it stop. you may be all right on that one. Um, as I say, next week we'll be back, and like I say, what a huge week this is for us. Next week, Dre, two season mm-hmm. previews to come next week. Formula One season preview on Motorsport One Hundred and One next week, but also here on Bike Life, um, we may struggle to keep this one down time-wise because we have yes. Moto GP, Moto Two, and Moto Three to preview.
1: Absolutely. It's going to be absolutely Banzai. There's so much to talk about in all three classes. Again, MotoGP looks set for its most competitive season we've ever seen. Six factories involved. and Again, Sotheby's said it himself, the top, the top 18 within 1.2 seconds around Qatar. That is insane for a nearly two-minute lap of a circuit. So, yeah. for that to be... Moto2, Moto
0: we have KTM in Moto2 and a, yeah. a big group of rookies in Moto2 for the first time in a long time which is just Absolutely. what that class has needed. That class is looking wide open this year uh, for the first time in a long time. And Moto3 is Moto3. Um, exactly. So, Same so we'll, we'll preview that as well. That's all to come next week here on Motorsport 101. We bring you episode four of Bike Live, our MotoGP Moto2, Moto2, Moto3 season preview. Until then, it's my thanks to Andre Harrison and my thanks to all of you for listening to this edition of Bike Live. And we will see you again next time. Bye for now.
1: I'm really sorry that I couldn't be on the show again, even though I promised the guys, and they're probably going to kick my ass the next time they see me. Yes. Um, But I'll promise you 100% I will be on the next episode, even if I am walking around the pub with the microphone attached to my ear or something (laughs) like it's not going to get in the way of being on the next episode of White Live. I promise you that. And I'm going to cast that as my. What the debut! But thanks for listening tonight, Anna Marie. Sorry, <sighs> yeah. guys. Guys, if she's not on this episode, we're going to use this as our intro for next week's show. Yeah, we <laughs> told you she was
0: coming on this week, guys. We told you. <laughs>